have we not cast out demons and done great works in your name? And you will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. But you also said, Lord, wide is the way and great is the path that leads to destruction and many will be that find it. But narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life and few would be that would find it. So Lord, we endeavor to choose the path that leads to everlasting life because your word never fails. For you have declared that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. For 1 Corinthians chapter 13 declares that love never fails. Love never fails. And God is love. Love never fails. Love has been given many different identities. People say love is blind, and that is a lie, because God is not blind. But true love, agape love, the unconditional love, storge love, the love of a family, Phileo love, the brotherly love. Lord, all of these loves are not blind. But Father, we want to love our brother. We want to love the strangers. Even the love that was shown to our neighbor in the, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Again, we want to love unconditionally. So thank you, Father, for these words that will help change our mind and our thoughts and being doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting a new sermon series on today. Um, and we want to thank everyone that's here present in the building on today. I'm Pastor Robert at Open Altar Worship Center. We want to thank you all for joining us on today. We want to thank those who have partnered with us, um, who have helped us to feed uh, our community, uh, partnering, partnering, partnering with us. Uh, we've been able to do this once a month. Uh, it's been a tremendous blessing. Uh, we want to ask you uh, to continue to do that by texting uh, O-A-W-C to 77977. Give whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Um, it's been a tremendous blessing. And if you aren't able to give or if you want to do both, come join us. If you're in the area at uh, 4992 Euclid Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, we do this every fourth Saturday of the month from 1030 to 1230. And we're out here, whether it's rain or sunshine. And in fact, last time we did this, it did in fact rain. But we continue to give to the community because there is still a need. 
regardless, there is still a need. We did this even before the pandemic. Um, but we want to thank you for partnering with us. We want to keep in mind and continue to lift up in prayer those who are sick and shut in uh, for whatever reason because of COVID or other situations. Uh, but again, we want to thank those who are there or here in the building or those who are watching uh, on live stream. But again, today we're starting a new sermon series. We're going to run till the end of the month, uh, and it is called Running My Race. Running My Race. And the emphasis is on my race. What is my race? And I want to start with a pop quiz, a pop quiz. You can pull out a piece of paper or just do it from the top of your head. And if you need be, you can do it and share it with the person next to you. First question is this, where is the Indianapolis 500 held? Where do they hold the Indianapolis 500? Where? In Indianapolis. Second question, where do they hold the Daytona 500? Where? In Daytona. Third question, where? Do they run or hold the Kentucky Derby? Where? In Kentucky. Now, the questions are going to get a little bit harder. There is a thing known as the Triple Crown. So along with the Kentucky Derby, the next race is the Preakness. So where do they hold the Preakness? Not so easy, is it? The Preakness is held actually in a racetrack called the Pimlico Racecourse in Baltimore, Maryland. And after the, Pimlico, uh, after the Preakness is the Belmont, which is actually held in Elmont, New York. So you can't know where your race is or you can't run your race unless you know where your race is. So you've got to know how to run your race. Or excuse me, you can't run your race unless you're at the right place. And we can't run our race, or should I say, a believer can't win if you don't know what race you're in. You can't win if you don't know what race you're in. So let's just say, if you show up with a dirt bike at a track and field event, you're at the wrong place, wrong event. If you have a bobsled, and you show up at a dirt track, you're at the wrong place. You can't win. You will be disqualified. Running your race means having the right equipment at the right place at the right time. And believers too many times at, are trying to win a race that they can't win because they're not set up. We are at the wrong place at the wrong time trying to win a race we can't win amen let's go to e ecclesiastes chapter 9 and today i'm just going to give you an introduction to running my race say running my race amen running my race now here's a passage of scripture that i know has been misquoted too many times and i know i've done it myself ecclesiastes chapter 9 
And I'm just going to read verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I returned and I saw, and I'm reading uh, the New King James versions. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor battle to the strong, or, yeah, nor battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor favor to the men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, the, the part that's normally misquoted is the race is not to the swift, nor battle to the strong. And people usually go on to say, but he that endures to the end. But understand what the scripture is really saying is we want to say, you know, if you have this problem, if that was me, if that person was really picking on me like that, oh, I would just tell them, oh, man, you know, just just get off my back. Or if you just cuss them out one good time, they'll leave you alone. We often try to say that we can fix other people's problems. I know how to handle a situation like that. But the scripture clearly says the race is not given to the swift. Oh, I can handle that battle. Well, the battle is not given to the strong. The bread is not given to the wise. The riches are not given to men of understanding. But it clearly says, but time and chance happen to them all. In other words, if we live long enough, when the time comes, time and chance happen to all of us. So eventually, you will be running your own race. You all understand that? Eventually, you will have to run your race. The problem is with us as believers is we want to get the maximum benefits with minimal amount of effort. We want God to say, Lord, bless me, bless me. And God is saying, well, I need you to bless me. I need you to get involved. You want to get a touchdown with only running one yard. But guess what? You're on your own goal line. I need you to run to the other end of the field. I'll do all the blocking. I just need you to take the ball and run. So the question is, we're in this race. We are in this race. But we're asking ourselves, but what's the goal? What is the goal? The Bible tells us that there are crowns. There are crowns. Now, on top of the crowns, and this isn't in the, the, you may not see all of this on the screen. The Bible talks about rewards, and, and we're going to leave that on the screen for right now. Uh, if you're taking notes, in Matthew, yes, let's talk about rewards for a moment. In Matthew, if you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it says that Jesus in the glory of his father with the angels is coming to uh, to give rewards uh, according to our works. And I'm paraphrasing that. It says he's coming to offer rewards according to our works. It doesn't say what those rewards are going to be. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, somewhere around verse uh, 11 through 15. And I don't, I don't need those scriptures up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about our works. When they are tried by fire, that we will receive a reward. If it's wood, hay, and stubble, those things are going to be burned up. They will be tried by fire. But the Bible doesn't really specifically tell us what those rewards will be. But what it does tell us, it tells us about a crown. The Bible specifically tells us, and I'm going to go into this right now. The Bible specifically tells us about crowns. There are five crowns that the Bible does specifically mention. We are running a race, and we want to get these crowns. We want to get these crowns. Say, I want my crown. I want my crown. Let's talk about the first crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's look at verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 24 and 25. And it says, do you not know that those who run, excuse me, do you not know that, that those who run in a race run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, that, that's plain and simple. Everybody that's in the race is running that they can get the prize. Anybody ever run in a race so they could get that ribbon or that certificate? You want to run. You want to win. But only one of them is going to get the prize. Now, he's talking in a natural sense because Paul did that. He talked about soldiers fighting with armor. He talked about athletics and competition. But then in verse 25, he says, and everyone who runs or who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And what he means by temperate is you're disciplined. You train. You eat the right foods. You go to bed. You get plenty of rest. He says, now they who obtain or they who do those things obtain a perishable crown. But for we are what? An imperishable crown. That's what we want. That's the first crown. The first crown is an imperishable crown. In other words, it can't go anywhere. Now, I'm going to leave it up to everyone in here. Do your own studying. Don't take my word for it. Go to your concordances. Pray before God and study more about the imperishable crown. The second crown I'm going to talk about is the crown of life. The crown of life. Revelations. Oh, we don't want to talk about the book of Revelations. But let's talk about the crown of life. Revelations chapter 2, verse 10. John is talking. And he says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to hear, or excuse me, which you are about to suffer. Hmm. Easy to be said. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and you are about to be tested and you are about to have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now, this is talking. He is addressing the church of Smyrna. He is talking to the church of, of Smyrna. Can I go back to that, please? 
He's talking to the church of Smyrna. And he's saying that they are about to be thrown in jail for about 10 days. And to understand the difference, I underline the word prison. Jail at that time meant you're going to go in and then you're going to come out. But prison in that time, it was a time which usually meant you were waiting trial and then death. But in this particular case, it's saying that the devil's going to put them into prison, but it was only going to be for a time of about 10 days. But they but he's telling them to be faithful, be faithful, even unto death, even if to death, even if death was going to come. But if they had to endure that they would receive the crown of life, they would receive the crown of life. But what for whatever reason that God chose through the writing of men of through the Holy Spirit, the Bible also tells us and you can take this down in your notes. James chapter 12, excuse me, James chapter 1 verse 12 says that if any man endures temptation for when he has been approved or when they have been tested and endures shall receive a crown of life. The Bible actually mentions two crowns of life, one in Revelations and one in the book of James for enduring temptation. Thank you. And I just want to briefly cover Three other crowns that we will receive. The crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. And this is a scripture we've heard many times, oftentimes at trend at uh, home going services. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. It says, for I have fought the fight, the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Verse 8, finally, there is laid up for me a what? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. That day. And not to me only, but to all those who have loved him at his appearing. And this is the, the crown for those who have loved him at his appearing. The crown of glory. First Peter five and four. I'm not going to read that scripture. The crown of glory. First Peter five and four. And then finally, the crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians two and 19. And again, I challenge you. I challenge you to go back. And study these scriptures. The crown of rejoicing. Now does everyone get a crown? Ah the rapture is coming. Do I get a crown? Do I get a crown? Do I get a reward? No everyone does not get a crown. Everyone does not get a reward. So how do we know that? Suppose you get saved on the day, and, and, and we know everyone in here is a believer. We know everyone in here has, has called on the name of the Lord. But let's just say for the sake of argument, you get saved on the day, and the rapture occurs this afternoon. What works have you done? What reward do you have? You have none. So you have no crown. You have not endured anything. So there's no reward for you. It makes sense, right? 
you have not endured anything. But let's just say there are people who will go out and they will they will call upon the name of the Lord. And then they will fall back into a state of doing things that they that God has delivered them from. There was a man, I believe, um, uh, who was it? I believe it was the man at the pool of Bethesda whom Jesus told him to pick up his bed and walk. And later on, Jesus saw him in the town and he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, Jesus told him, watch him uh, lest he fall back into the state that he was in before. So people will fall back into where they were before. So we have to watch where we go back into. Again, I go back into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that the Bible tells us our works, some wood, hay, um, wood, hay, stubble, gold and silver, precious stones. That we can do works and God's saying, but those things that we're doing are not the things that please me. So they're going to be tried by fire and they're going to be burned up. And God's saying, yeah, you did those, but I didn't put my blessing on those things you did. You went in the office and you tried to get people saved, but you were cussing and fussing the whole time. And that's why they didn't come to church, because your attitude was all messed up. That's why they didn't come to church. So not everyone that makes it into heaven is going to receive a reward. So why am I even in this race? What is, uh, excuse me, and what is it? What is in it for me? Thank you. So what's in it for me? The reason why we're in this is because of two things. It's because of a lie and a promise. It's because of a lie and a promise. The lie begins at the beginning. And I want to take you through like five scriptures. Let's look back at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is, in, that is pleasant. Let me look at it, this down here. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life, the tree of life, the tree of life, and also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there were two trees, two trees that were specifically mentioned by God in the Bible, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's go flip over, or excuse me, let's move down to uh, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend. Understand he's saying to tend. In other words, he's supposed to take care of the garden. Now, I thought it was interesting that when he's saying to tend, he's saying he has to take care of it. He has to take care of it. Now, when you're saying tend to the garden, he has to take care of it. 
Now, that means he's, however he's supposed to take care of it. I don't know what tools he has. But when I'm thinking of tending to a garden, that means I got to water it too. But amazingly enough, at this point, the Bible tells us that God had not caused it to rain yet. That everything that had been watered, God watered it by springs and up from the ground. And the Lord God, verse 16, God commanded the man and said, of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Remember, there were two trees, tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of the, uh, excuse me, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Or you will what? Surely die. Let's skip over to chapter 3 and verse 22. He told him to tend to the garden. But then in chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, look, and he's talking to Jesus. Because the Bible tells us in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word was with God. Jesus was with, even though he was not born then, he was in existence from the very beginning. But he's saying, then the Lord God said, behold, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What, what if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live, then they will live forever. So let me bring all of this in together. God told man, or he told Adam, to tend to the garden, to take care of everything, to take care of everything. But we know the serpent came in and he deceived Eve. And Adam was deceived right along with it because he believed the same story. He believed the same story that, oh, we can eat of this fruit and we won't, nothing will happen to us. But I want you to understand in the greater scope of things that what they did by, by partaking of this fruit in verse 30, or uh, yeah, in chapter 3, verse 22, it's saying, but they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They made a decision to have knowledge. When they could have made the decision to have life. They chose knowledge over life. And that's why they were banned from the garden. It, it says here. It says, what if they reach out and take the, what if, meaning they had the opportunity, what if they take and reach out and take fruit of the tree of life and eat it, then they will live forever. And if you don't remember anything else, I believe wholeheartedly that every day we have the opportunity that God says, I put before you 
the opportunity of good and evil, and I put before you life every day. And our spirit man says, choose life. And our natural man says, good and evil. Life, good and evil. And I'm telling you, it's nothing wrong with knowing about good and evil because we need to make choices in our life. We have to know good and evil. And I, and I toil with knowing how much is going on in the world about news and what's going on in our community. But it's more important to know about eternal life. And we have to make decisions every single day about connecting our spirit man with our heavenly father. But every single day, we have to say, spirit man, I need to eat. I need to eat from the tree of life versus letting our fleshly man say, no, I want to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because what is going to do me more harm? And this is why we fail and continue to fall every single day. We have to remember that we serve an immutable God. And what I mean by immutable is God can't change. God cannot change. Hebrews 13 and 11 says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God could change means he could get better. And God can't get any better. But the thing we don't want to recognize but understand is the devil hasn't changed any. He hasn't changed either. We don't want to give him credit, but he hasn't changed either. He's using the same tactics. The same tactics he used back in the garden, he's using the same tactics today. Lies upon lies upon lies. John chapter 8, verse 44, and it's not up on the screen. It tells in the very end, he says he's a, he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. He is a liar and he's the father of all lies. But I want to say in closing that we are in a race. We are in a race. We have to know which race you're in in order to win. You've got to know which race you're in in order to win. If it's snowing outside, you've got to have the right tires on your car or know which gear to put your car in to make it through the snow. Amen? You've got to have the right shoes on if you want to make it across the sidewalk. If you're going to win, you've got to know which race you're in. We want to thank you on today for joining us. Again, we're just going to, we've, we've, we've got some things to talk about. We're going to talk about the race of praise. We're going to talk about the race of endurance because this is a race. The, and, and when I talk about a race, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. But we don't know. Unfortunately, we don't know where the finish line is. Well, we know, we know there is a finish line. We just don't know where it is. Or should I say, 
It's in heaven. But we don't know. No man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is going to appear. But we just have to continue to run. Thank you for joining us on today. We pray and we believe that this seed has fallen on good soil. And God is going to bring forth a harvest in your life. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for every soul that has heard this word. Lord, we know that there were some glitches earlier, but we are not giving the enemy credit, Lord, <laughs> because those were human errors. Those were human errors, and we, we give the enemy too much credit. We give the enemy too much credit for things that we do wrong. But in the name of Jesus, we are victorious. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a victorious people who God has called out of darkness into a marvelous light. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. In him we live and move and have our being. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. If God be for us, it is more than anything against us. If one will chase, if one will put a thousand to flight, then two will put ten thousand to flight. There is so much more that the Bible says that God has for us than we give ourselves credit for. God has not given us the spirit of fear but a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Behold, he is a God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for you? Behold, I give you the power to tread upon lions and scorpions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, my children, you have let the enemy defeat you for too long because you see yourselves as less than, and I have called you to be more than. I have called you to be more than. Stand in the place of which I have called you to be. Call you to be in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Walk in the kingdom. Walk in the kingdom. Walk in the kingdom. Yeah, thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the principles of your word and the power and the authority that you have placed in us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the authority and the power in the name of Jesus. That at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow in heaven, in earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We thank you for those who have watched, those who have listened. And those who have heard this word, we pray that you would join us again. And as the Lord leads, join us 
again and view and share and watch and sow a seed as God lays on your heart. Join us again in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. Lord, while the 